continue our study of training with the Twelve. I think most of you have been here for enough of our uh, series on Sunday evenings to know what we're doing. We're starting off with the Apostles, learning about them, meeting the Apostles, and uh, tonight we're going to tackle a few more of the Apostles. Actually, two more, Peter and Andrew, is what we're going to try to get covered tonight. Uh, I would surmise there may be some who are more interested in Tom and Russell tonight than they are in Peter and Andrew, but that may just be a bad guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm glad you're here. I knew that would not go over with this crowd. <laughs> Folks at home know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, we did the 12 in reverse order. We started with the bottom four, uh, the least known of the apostles, James the Less, and Judas, Lebius or Thaddeus, he's also called, uh, Simon the Zealot, and Judas the man of Kerioth. And when we got through with those, if you kind of summarized it in your mind like I do, uh, we don't know much about those four. Uh, there is very little uh, in the Bible about them. They appear in, some of them appear in just one story in the Bible. Uh, some of them appear in another one or two, but those four just don't appear much except Judas who had his own little drama. Uh, the middle group, Philip and Nathaniel, uh, Thomas who was the twin and Matthew the tax collector, uh, those four, when I got done studying those, I thought the same thing. We well, don't know much about them. Uh, they're just not covered very much, not personal kind of stuff, background, family, any of the things we'd probably be interested in. Uh, there's a little bit about some of those in a few places, but not much. Uh, so as we get to the top four, uh, the, the famous ones, Peter, Andrew, James, and John get to those, you're probably expecting, like me, that we'll learn a whole lot about them. There's just lots of information about these four, and you would be wrong. Uh, we really don't know much about them. They appear in more stories, and uh, Peter and John especially uh, have a lot uh, more involvement and uh, writings and adventures that we can read about and all that. But... Personal stuff, family, a lot of the things that we don't know about the other eight, uh, we don't know about these 12 either. Pretty unknown bunch. Uh, maybe it was more about Jesus than it was about them. Uh, it might be a conclusion that we could reach. Uh, we know they did great things, and that's why we've been looking at some of the secular history of each one to see what uh, supposedly happened. But... Very unknown group of men. Uh, and I hope that uh, uh, learning that is a, is a lesson in itself, even though it might be interesting to know a whole lot more about them. All right, I said these were the top four, and I actually entitled this lesson The Big Three Plus Andrew. Uh, Andrew is one of the really unknowns. Uh, he's more famous, he's listed first or in the first group. Uh, and he probably did have some kind of uh, special influence, or we, I'll give you one reason he might be listed higher in a moment here. He was Peter's brother, uh, but other than that, boy, we don't know much about Andrew. Very, very little 
in the Bible about him. Um, I thought all along I would tackle these four and get through all of them in one week. I just decided this week, no, we're going to do it in two pieces. Uh, I could probably get all four of them covered, but we'd have to brush over a lot, and we wouldn't have any time for any kind of summary thoughts. So we're going to work on Peter and Andrew this evening. Um, First, let's talk about this group that we've got here, this inner circle. And Andrew's not part of the inner circle, although he's more inner circle than the the other eight. Uh, But these four were with Jesus a lot. Uh, They started earliest. They appear to be uh, apostles of John the Baptist or disciples of John the Baptist. And they had, therefore, they had the longest association with Jesus. They met him first. They found out who he was. They began to go to uh, periodic places where they could see him and be with him. And then at some point they decided to follow him full time. And then at some point they got picked as apostles. But uh, so they were the closest to him. And that's one possibility for where this list came from. I gave you all four lists uh, in the New Testament of the apostles, and they're all in basically the same order. Uh, The top four are always the same, the middle four are always the same, the last four are always the same, and they're pretty much exactly in 1 through 12 order. Uh, We said maybe that was the order of importance, how much they did or the importance they had within the group. Uh, I think it might be more accurate to guess that it's their level of closeness to Jesus. Uh, that Peter, Andrew, James, and John were really close to him. And this, and this next four, uh, the middle four, had very, I mean, they all were close to Jesus, but uh, a little less close. And then the bottom four, since it had Judas in it especially, were probably a little more on the outskirts of the, the twelve. Uh, sat further away from the campfire when... Peter, Andrew, James, and John were clustered around Jesus. Uh, that's all guessing, so hopefully you've figured out that by now. A lot of this is guessing, and I'm trying to label it for you when it's uh, legend or secular history, but maybe that's what the list uh, relates and the way they get listed each time. Um, this inner circle, though, we can be sure of. Uh, the four of them were with Jesus a lot more, and of the four... Uh, Peter, James, and John got to go some really special places. Okay. Uh, why Andrew got left out, I don't know. He was still with Jesus more than uh, Philip and Nathaniel and some of those guys. But the inner three got picked to come with Jesus some places that the other nine didn't get to go. Uh, very inner circle, and we'll talk about that in a moment when we talk about uh, what they saw and some of the things that they uh, did. Um, Actually, I think I intended to talk about that there instead of when I get down to Peter or Andrew, so let's do that. Uh, Those three... Uh, Peter, James, and John got to go to the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, They got to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, inner part of the garden where Jesus was praying that night. 
A couple of other things they got to do that Jesus took them with him for some reason when he went to raise Jairus' daughter. Uh, Don't know why, I assume all of them would have liked to have gone, but they were there when he did that. so the the three of them had this unique relationship with Jesus, and I think it uh, may account for. I think when we get over to James is when guess when I was going to talk about that. That's why I was going to talk about James when we talked about James. Uh, my guess is, my theory is, maybe that's had something to do with the arguing over who was the greatest. You know, what I mean. Jesus had these 12 guys, but he spent more time with some of them. And then some really special times, he took three of them away. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, if I went, got Jesus said, come on, Steve, go with me. And we went to the Mount of Transfiguration. And I saw him in his glory. And when we got done, he said, now, don't tell the other guys about this. I'd probably think I was hot stuff, you know, and I might even argue about it with the guys that got to go with me. Well, who do you think's the greatest? Yeah, I'm, once again, surmising, but uh, this could have contributed to some of that. Okay, let's talk about uh, Simon, Peter, and Andrew tonight. Simon was actually his name. Peter was a nickname. Uh, Simon's a very common name. There are lots of guys in the New Testament named Simon, at least seven of them that I counted up. Uh, this was Simon Barjona, Simon the son of John, what he's called sometimes. Um, John 142, the way it tells it when Jesus met Peter, it was a unique meeting. When Simon came up to him, uh, apparently, unless John... It's left something out. Apparently, the first words Jesus ever spoke to him was he gave him a nickname. Yeah, said, I'm Jesus, you're Simon. Simon, you're going to be the rock. I'm going to call you the rock from now on. Don't know why. I mean, he obviously knew uh, of Simon. Uh, maybe the way he knew of Nathaniel and all that. But he looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, uh, which is translated a stone. So depending on what translation you got, Cephas is the Aramaic, uh, Peter or Petros is the, the Greek, and they both mean a piece of rock or a stone, a small stone, uh, a rock. So Jesus gave him that nickname. One supposition, uh, which... I like, I read from some book I was reading in, is maybe Jesus gave him that nickname as an indication of what he knew Simon could be. Because Simon wasn't that way all the time. He wasn't a rock. Uh, John MacArthur describes Peter as the the apostle with the foot-shaped mouth. Uh, He was... He was always sticking his foot in his mouth. He was always barging into things he shouldn't barge into. He he was always saying stuff that the others probably looked at him like, what? 
Uh, so he was a character. He was a dominant guy, a leader from everything we read about him. But he wasn't always a rock, uh, clear up to the end when he denied Jesus. And uh, this book I was reading has a little more supposition in it, which I thought was interesting, so I put it in here. If you study what he's called, which name is used, uh, you kind of see a pattern. He is always called Simon in the secular context, when they're just talking about life. Uh, when it talks about his mother-in-law, it says Simon's mother-in-law. It doesn't say Peter or Cephas or anything. And when it talks about his house, it says Simon's house. Uh, Simon had a boat. When it mentions that, it says it's Simon's boat. So uh, anytime it's talking about just plain stuff, the Bible calls him Simon, whichever writer's writing about him. He's also called Simon by Jesus and mainly by Jesus, uh, but some others, when he's not being the rock, when he's acting like his old self. Okay? And we're familiar with the context of different names for different situations. Uh, my mother called me Stephen almost all the time, but occasionally it was Stephen Lewis. And you didn't have to have a script to know what the difference was. Yeah. Maybe Jesus was that way with Simon. Simon, all right, Peter. Good job, Peter. And if you read the incidences, I put a, I just put the text there for you. You can look those up. Uh, Luke five five is. Uh, where Jesus appears and calls out to them there in the boat. And he says, have you caught anything? And they said, no. And Jesus said, well, put the nets over the right side. And Simon said, we've worked all night. We haven't caught anything. But if you say to put them over the right side, okay, I'll do it. That's not the rock. That's Simon, fairly late in the ministry, telling Jesus, I don't think you know what you're talking about. And the writer records it as Simon said this. Okay. Uh, interestingly enough, you go down a few verses after they caught all the fish, it says that he fell on his knees and said, I'm a sinful man before Jesus. And there the writer calls him Peter. So, actually Simon Peter, but he went from Simon to Simon Peter, from Simon, the old Simon, to the rock. Uh, in the garden, where Jesus took them in there and went back and prayed and came out and caught them sleeping. What did he say? Simon, have you been sleeping? He wasn't Peter then, he wasn't the rock. It was old Simon. Uh, I think it's in Mark 14. Uh, Luke 22, uh, he tells him that Satan has asked for him, that Satan wants to use him, wants to sift him like wheat. And he said, Simon, Simon, Satan's asked for you. Yeah, not Peter. Uh, after the resurrection, John 20, 21. Uh, after the resurrection, after Simon had denied him three times, all of that, 
after all of that, when Jesus appears to them out on the water and he's cooking breakfast and all that, after that, uh, three times, he calls him Simon. And remember the question? Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Wasn't talking to the rock then. Talking to Simon. Perhaps. Uh, maybe that's the way they used the names. It seems to be the, the writers did that. Uh, anytime he's doing something good, giving the, the speech on Pentecost, doing whatever, that he's called Peter. Uh, John is kind of an exception, and John was the closest to Peter. Uh, and he calls him Simon Peter all the time. It's kind of like he knew Simon and he knew Peter and he didn't know which one he was for sure, so he just called him Simon Peter. Now, the only reason I spent that much time on this supposition about names is the the application of it, I think, would be uh, Simon, probably a little bit like us. He was very spiritual sometimes and very carnal sometimes. And if the name helps you keep track of that, uh, maybe you ought to make up your own name. Well, <laughs> uh, sometimes we're Simon, sometimes we're Peter. Uh, in fact, I just thought of it when uh, me think through this, who was involved in that. I'll see if I can tell this story. Yes, I think I can. Uh, at a funeral not too long ago, Toby and I went over and visited the family, not members of Northside related uh, to some here, but anyhow, we went over there and talked to the, the family, and they explained to us that this gentleman had made a radical change in the middle of his life. Uh, early in his life, he had been a very, uh, well, he was a drunk. He was an alcoholic, caused all sorts of trouble, married a number of times. Uh, just a mess. And then about 30, I think, I can't remember exactly when, uh, he got straightened his life out, got involved with AA and some other things and became a different person. And the way they talked about him was the early person was Bob, and now he was Robert. And they talked about him like that for the whole time we were discussing him and asking stories and all of that. And they were serious about it. Bob was different than Robert. Two different people. So we get ready to go, and I hadn't quite adapted to this yet. And so I started to ask if we could pray. And I started out the prayer, said something about Bob, and one of his daughters said, Robert. Correction, <laughs> correction, God. Uh, we're, we're burying Robert. <laughs> we're not burying Bob. Uh, so maybe we need two different names, depending on how we act. All right. Uh, we know he was married. One of the few things we know about him, uh, Luke 4.38 mentions his mother-in-law. Paul says that Peter had the right to lead around a wife with him and all the preaching and teaching he did, uh, so he definitely was married. Uh, his leadership, I think, is probably more than uh, we we think sometimes. Uh, he's first in all the lists. We've talked about that. Every list has got him first. 
Uh, but we get a special clue in Matthew, Matthew 10, 2. It says, here's the list of the apostles. And he says, first, Simon, who is called Peter. Okay. Well, I've always read that all my life, that, okay, yeah, he's first in the list. Uh, the book, one resource book I was reading said, no, he, Matthew used a different word there. It doesn't mean first in the list. It means the chief, the first, uh, the leader of the group. Uh, so if that's true, he not only was recognized in the list as that, but he certainly always tends to appear that way in the stories. Uh, he's kind of the chief of the group. He was always the first one up there, it seems like. Uh, had a very dominant personality, probably. Uh, got him in trouble a lot. But probably the others looked to him uh, for, for leadership and definitely got to be the main speaker on uh, the day of Pentecost, so maybe there's something to that. Uh, some considerations here, and I've tried to pack it all into one list instead of writing some things about it, but if you go through the whole account of Peter's life, here's some of the things you'll see. Uh, his name's mentioned more in the Gospels than any name except Jesus. He's second to Jesus in history, mentions. Uh, no one speaks as often as Peter, and no one is spoken to by the Lord as much as Peter. Uh, there's that leadership thing. He's always in the stories as either talking or Jesus is talking to him. No one is so frequently rebuked by the Lord. And nobody else except Peter ever rebuked the Lord. Yeah. So he was, we're seeing a character here. Uh, no one confessed Christ more boldly or explicitly. Yet no one denied Christ as forcefully or as publicly as Peter. Peter was always the one that said, I'm not going to deny you. Always confessing Jesus, always saying, I'll support you and all that. But then he was the one that had the denials and cursed and everything else. And finally, no one is praised and blessed by Christ the way Peter was. Yet Peter was the only one that Jesus ever called Satan. Simon Peter had a couple of sides, didn't he? The secular history, uh, the end of his life, is kind of what I found a little bit about. Uh, we know he was martyred. Uh, Jesus promised him he was going to be martyred. But scriptures don't tell us how he died. But uh, basically all the records, all the legends, anything we can read from early history says he was crucified. Uh, Clement writes, and he wrote fairly early, so it's quite possible that there's some truth in it. Uh, he says that his wife was crucified first and Peter had to watch. Uh, that they crucified Peter's wife. And that when she walked past him heading to the cross, uh, he told her to remember the Lord. And then it came his turn, they took him up to be crucified, and he said, I don't want to be crucified normal like my Lord, I don't deserve it, crucify me upside down. And so supposedly they did uh, put him head down on the cross. Uh, legend, but fairly decent history perhaps. All right, Andrew, Peter's brother, uh, he was the one that 
was in the top four, but not the top three. Didn't make the inner, inner circle. Uh, always seemed to be in the background. Even when he's mentioned, it mentions the others as kind of doing something or saying something, and Andrew's just there. Uh, now, we know he was close to Christ. In fact, he, as far as individuals, we got lots of stories of him bringing individual people to Christ. Uh, of course, he brought his brother, Peter. He was met Jesus first and then went and got Peter. Uh, brought the little boy with the loaves and the fishes. Uh, got the Greeks and introduced them to Jesus. Andrew was very close to Jesus and maybe was more of an evangelist than the others. Uh, some people have thought he had a very evangelistic personality. Uh, found somebody and said, you got to go meet Jesus. Um, we never see him seeking attention uh, when it talks about the group arguing about who was the greatest. They don't list Andrew in that argument. He kind of stayed out of that, it seems like. Uh, didn't ever appear in a prominent role, always in the background. Uh, scripture never records anything where Jesus rebuked him or anybody rebuked him. Uh, never anything dishonorable or questionable. Uh, anytime it mentions him by name, it's just telling a story or says he's doing something good. Uh, and perhaps he was more evangelistic than the others and brought more individuals to Jesus. Okay, his secular legend is interesting. Uh, we don't read anything about him after Pentecost. Uh, characteristic of quite a few of the apostles, but uh, Andrew in particular, we get to Pentecost and we never hear of him again in the Bible. So we don't know what he did for sure. Uh, tradition says that he went north. Uh, and probably backing that up, uh, he happens to be the patron saint of Russia and the patron saint of Christians in Scotland. So maybe he did head north and spread the gospel up that way. Uh, accounts say that he was crucified. Uh, the story of his crucifixion is interesting. If it's true, as well, it's interesting even if it isn't true, but it, it's especially interesting if it really happened. Uh, supposedly he got back down to Greece somehow and converted the wife of a Roman governor. Uh, how he met her or any of that, well, I don't know, but he supposedly converted her and the Roman governor didn't like that. And so he demanded that his wife recant Christianity uh, and say that she wasn't a Christian. Uh, she chose not to do that. She maintained her belief in Christianity. Uh, so the governor crucified Andrew for that. Uh, supposedly he was crucified on an X-shaped cross. Uh, there were different kinds of crosses in those days, lots of different ways of building them, T's or Pluses or X's or lots of ways. Uh, supposedly his was an X-shaped one. And uh, instead of nailing him on there, which caused the death to speed up, they just tied him on there so that he would last longer. And for more than two days, uh, he stayed alive. And during those two days, according to legend, anybody that came past, uh, he preached Christ to them. So if that's how he died, it's a great story. So anyhow, that's the first two brothers. 
James and John will cover next time. Let's go ahead and do the first little bit on the second page just to get it out of the way since we're big into suppositions tonight. Uh, Back when we were doing James the Less, we talked about how there was kind of a way you could conclude that maybe he was related to Jesus. Uh, This one's a little bit clearer than that one, but once again, supposition. If you take all three accounts of the crucifixion, uh, all of them say that there were lots of women there. The women that followed Jesus went to the crucifixion. Uh, The apostles all scattered, except John was there, but he's the only one we know was there. But there were a lot of women there, uh, including Mary, uh, who was at the foot of the cross, and then also John was there with her. And then it says there were a lot of women there, and it usually says they were at a distance. But then it, each account lists some of them. And Matthew, Mark, and John all list three women by name, specifically. Mary, of Mag- Mary Magdalene is the same in all three lists. And then Matthew lists Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, that's the mother of James the Less. Mark mentions the same Mary, the mother of James the Less and Joseph. And John mentions Mary, the wife of Clopas. We don't know if that's the same one or not, but it lines up. And then all three of them mention a third woman. Matthew says it was the mother of Zebedee's sons. So that would be James and John's mother. Mark says it was Salome, and John says it was Mary's sister. Now, that may be three completely different women. I'm not trying to convince you uh, that it was the same one. Uh, Some folks do think it's the same one. If it's the same one, then Salome was James and John's mother, and she was Mary's sister, and James and John would be Jesus' cousins. Now, that's IF in really big letters, because <laughs> we've got nothing else to prove it. Uh, nowhere else does it say, say John and James' mother was named Salome or anything else. We're just If you take those three accounts and say all three of them are describing the same three women, then you can put together the puzzle and say, all right, James and John were Jesus' cousins, uh, which would once again contribute to this argument about who's the greatest. Uh, It would make for all sorts of interesting connections, how John was the one that Jesus loved, and John would have been the the younger brother, and Jesus kind of took care of him. And You can make up all kinds of wonderful tales here, but once again, we don't know. i got no other evidence, but supposition is fun and interesting sometimes. All right, we'll tackle uh, James and John next time. Uh, James is a great leader. In fact, he's listed second in some of the lists right behind Peter, but we don't know much about him. And John, we kind of know a whole lot about him because he wrote a lot of books and mentions himself occasionally uh, or puts stories in about himself. All right, the lesson is yours. If you're here this evening and need to respond or need prayers of this family in any way, we'd be... Uh, Happy to pray for you or help you in any way we can. Let's stand and sing. If you need to come, come.